Hey, it's Dan. Here at Tradeoffs, we've been thinking about the best way we can contribute to the coverage of the coronavirus. We kept coming back to our core mission, telling stories about problems with no easy fix. We're here with our second coronavirus conversation. These are bonus episodes about people making difficult decisions as they grapple with the coronavirus. Our first one dropped last week, an interview with University of Pennsylvania professor Allison Buttenheim, a social scientist who studies behavioral aspects of infectious disease. In the days to come, we'll speak with physicians, hospital executives, and business owners. Today, from the Annenberg Studio at the University of Pennsylvania, the second part of our conversation with Allison. She invited me to her neighborhood in Philadelphia, Friday night, the 13th. Allison and about a dozen neighbors are outside her stoop, on a block of handsome three-story row houses built in 1876. Teenagers talk streaming services. Hey, Rebecca! <laughs> what? Uh, are you on Netflix? Hulu? Adults drink. This is what a springtime stoop party looks like on the 2500 block of Aspen Street. Until I look down. Allison explains why someone has drawn circles on the sidewalk. We figured we needed to adapt it for the COVID-19 era. So we have said that everyone needs to stay two sidewalk squares away, but you can cluster with your household because you were already exposed to this. If this really is a new era, the social distancing era, this party feels like one snapshot from the dawn of that new day. People skirting the new do's and don'ts of social distance, laughing and drinking nervously, wringing hands over hypotheticals. One of those people is 49-year-old neurologist Brett Kuchara, who works at Penn Medicine. I've actually been banned from the hospital for, you know, until I'm on service again because they're trying to, like, really stagger things. So, like, when you're not on, you're supposed to not be anywhere where you're going to get... COVID-19. Brett's spent the last few days thinking about the patients who see him after they've had a stroke. Right? It's not like all that goes away when the COVID-19 epidemic comes to us. So, you know, normally we would have admitted to the hospital, but if we do that, we may not have room. If we do have room, you may be more likely to get infected. Um, What's the trade-off there? So I think we're going to end up practicing a lot more like we did 20 years ago. And, and what did what care look like for stroke neurology 20, 30 years ago? Basically, it was take an aspirin and go about your business, and that was it. we we got to wait and see what that's going to look like in real life. If this wave of infections comes to Philadelphia like it has in Italy, uh, we're going to have to make some tough choices about how we care for patients. I make my way back towards Allison, who's sweeping up that glass. At least in our office, like, we literally woke up this morning and went, oh, And listening to her neighbor, Jamie, an architect who decided with his partners to have their 30 employees work remotely. Like, what are we going to do? Allison gives him a hard time for slow walking the decision. I'm not used to, I'm, 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 this is my first pandemic. (laughs) I'm a little confused. How can Allison be so adamant about the architect closing his firm, but also all about this social gathering? This is your job. You think about this. Like, how how safe is an event like this? So the way I've been thinking about it is that we all now have budgets 
for social contact. And if your, you know, if your budget was a dollar before now, then it's got to be a lot less. Like this was my social contact for today. I did not leave. I literally did not leave the house otherwise. And if you know, each household group kind of stuck together, and we were six feet away from any other household group, that's eroding as we have more beers. I will say, um, Jamie, you got to step back, buddy. <laughs> I know Jamie is like encroaching. Could you keep your six feet, buddy? No, yeah. no I can't. And I think you know the humor with which we're you know approaching this is also part of the coping strategy. Why do you do this? This party? This, in normal circumstances, this is a very regular occurrence, and it would have happened probably about this week. Time change, warm enough. I mean, we stoop. We're in Philadelphia. And we have a member of the group who's going through a rough time. And he said, hey, I know we're supposed to be social distancing, but how about a social distance social? Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Allison nods to her neighbor, Paul who right then is sitting less than two feet from Allison's husband. I head over just as Paul's talking about a text from his daughter. Have you heard the, the darkest meme of coronavirus? Boomer remover. And the next text was, but there are good boomers. <laughs> I'm hoping you mean me. I'm hoping you mean me. And they do, so. I'm Paul Stat. How old are you? What do you do for work? I'm 64. I'm retired pretty much I was a public relations professional for most of my career and a writer a magazine writer and you apparently are the source for the (laughs) cocktail party tonight well yes in one sense I was feeling particularly my wife's having some really serious medical issues you know it's end of life type medical issues and I am feeling very much alone and thought that probably a lot of other people are feeling alone because we're being told isolate yourself and I thought I don't want to be alone tonight I mean I'm, I'm really scared because you know that my my way too young wife is um, is really sick so I just wanted to be with people clever Paul tells me his wife, Amy, is 66 and has terminal brain cancer, a glioblastoma. She's had several strokes, too, and needs constant care. Earlier in the day, Amy had moved into a new rehab facility, one that instituted strict coronavirus policies, including a ban on all visitors. The facility that my wife was in yesterday, I could stay with her. I've been there every night the last week, but now I can't. And that's just, that is just heartbreaking that I'm feeling this, this tension between being a good citizen in public health and thinking, of course, they shouldn't allow visitors. And then my personal thought that, of course, I have to be there. 
but you have to do things for the community and not just not just for yourself. But then Paul admits, as much as he knew he should stay away, he and his stepdaughter couldn't. We we had to sneak in to the we did sneak in this afternoon, both of us, um, which felt kind of transgressive and illegal. I, neither of us, I think, was really happy to have to literally um, sneak in to the hospital. He knows each visit carries a risk to himself and others. One he's willing to take because Amy is getting all kinds of medical care. There's maybe a better chance that she's going to get infected. Are you willing to risk yourself getting infected as a 64-year-old? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when you're 64, you'll understand that that's not, it's not, it's not, that's the least of it. To be alone would be really terrible. If I were alone now, I would be, I wouldn't be, I would be, so, but I'm not. You know, there are people here who care about me and family, so that, that would be the worst of it, to not have anybody. Before I left, I wanted to loop back with Allison to talk about a conversation I'd had with one of her other neighbors, you know what Peter. He's doing right now? Peter and I had an yeah. interesting conversation where he said, tonight we're laughing, we're joking. But Peter also said, the next time we do this, there might be a couple people who are sick or who, are, who know people who are sick. Absolutely. I mean, that's the moment we are in Philadelphia that in a week, you know, a week from now, many of us may know someone who's sick. And many of us may start experiencing symptoms. Um, this is a, a little microcosm, a little example of the 3,000 decisions about social contact that everybody around the world is making right now. I think it's important for people to think about like a little bit of an allowance. Like I've got a little bit of leeway at the margin to have a little bit of social contact. Am I going to use that up going to the grocery store? Am I going to use that up taking food to a friend who's just had surgery? Or am I going to use it up on a, you know, Aspen Street block party where we try to keep our social distance? Um, and if, if the answer is, like, we can't do any of that, I don't see how we get through two weeks or two months of this. Um, is that the epidemiologically correct answer? I don't know. But there's other dimensions along which this decision has to be made. So this was a good expenditure tonight. This is an excellent expenditure of my social contact budget. On the one hand, it's like a little bit of normal. Like, yeah, like we can still get together on Aspen Street. We always do that. We can do that. Um, But more than that, it was like a reassurance that we'll be okay. You know, come the apocalypse, I've got Aspen Street. And Aspen Street's got my back. Later that night, I texted Allison. Thank you, Being out interviewing people gave me a little bit of my own familiar, even if it had pushed me deeper into social contact debt. I'm Dan Gorenstein. Be safe out there. This is Tradeoffs. The Tradeoffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Vicki Stern, sound designer Andrew Perella, and editor Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music this week from Miscellaneous. Miscellaneous.
Additional thanks to Erica Feldman and Khalil Gorenstein. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation, Arnold Ventures, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Additional support from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of trade-off funders. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.